What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Thank you, thank you for joining me for another Friday edition of After the Snap. Today, we continue our MCU watch party leading up to Avengers Endgame. And our installment today is Avengers Age of Ultron. If this is your first time here, this is what we do on Fridays. We hang out and uh, discuss one of the entries to the MCU and we do it in Marvel Timeline Order. So welcome to the show, welcome to the party, and make yourselves at home. All right, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. It was released on May 1st, 2015. It has a runtime of 142 minutes. If you're new, we usually talk about Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes as far as weighing it from the uh, critics point of view and from the audience point of view we do we use those two metrics for our uh, watch parties and on metacritic it got a 66 percent and it had an 83 percent audience approval rating and it got a 75 percent on rotten tomatoes making it what certified fresh that's right Okay, with a budget of $365.5 million, and that is net gross, that was $444.495 million. But that $365.5 million of budget is the second most expensive film production ever, behind only Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, and that was uh, $379 million in 2011. The return on this huge investment was a staggering $1.405 billion. In fact, Age of Ultron accounted for 84.5% of its opening weekend box office take. And the film crossed the billion dollar mark in just 24 days. Now that is astounding. 24 days, $1 billion, and it it represented almost 85% of the moviegoers the first opening weekend. So whatever opened with Age of Ultron, 
I'm sorry, because they just blew y'all out the water. Hopefully people had learned by this point not to schedule their movies uh, against a Marvel, especially a Marvel Avengers movie. Okay, moving on. After directing the first Avengers movie to resounding success, uh, Joss Whedon took the helm again for the sequel. And he admitted that this was his most exhausting project ever. Uh, There were elements of a finished project that he literally had to fight for. For example, the scenes with Thor and Eric Selvig at the Pool of Sight were meant to be longer. And after some back and forth, Kevin Feige gave him a choice the pool of sight scenes or the Hawkeye farm scenes so we we get the farm we go we got the farm so uh the first cut of this movie was three and a half hours long but Whedon and Feige were able able to whittle it down to 142 minutes fulfilling a fantasy of Joss Whedon's that he had in directing the sequel he wanted this movie to be shorter than the first Avengers and he succeeded by one minute but a win is a win, right? Uh, but the connected, the connectivity and the uh, interwoven plot and storylines that existed over 11 movies in the MCU made it very difficult for him to tell his story his way. So now imagine how monumental a project it was tying up 22 plots with hundreds of characters in a satisfying way. And in 2014, uh, Whedon was offered the opportunity to write the scripts for Infinity War and Endgame. He turned both down because he was literally wiped out from directing Age of Ultron. So he thought the idea of writing dialogue between Tony Stark and Star-Lord for four years was enticing, but he figured that he would have emerged feeling 20 years older. He does consult, but he didn't want to commit to the big job. And ironically, I told you how I, I uh, love the John Campea show, and uh, that's on YouTube. He has several different shows that he does, and they're pretty much daily shows. So I was listening to The Daily Hero with John Campea, and he was discussing perspective when it comes to studio execs and how, how, they, involving them, how they involve themselves uh, heavily in the filmmaking process. And... He used the examples of WB and Marvel. And you know, the WB is the parent company of DC. Uh, and a lot of the complaints about the failure of DC's attempts at a shared universe tend to start with studio interference. Well, John basically called bullshit on that excuse, saying it's, it's called interference when projects fail, but synergy and teamwork when they win because winning cures everything. And he said uh, that in, in so many words that Kevin Feige does meddle in projects. And according to some directors, he meddles a lot. <laughs> but at the end of the day, even Whedon admitted that the changes that Feige suggested do make the movie more cohesive. Because let's face it, at Marvel, Kevin Feige is the law and winning cures everything. And Marvel plus Whedon has been a winning combination. Uh, Going into this, I remembered Age of Ultron being my least favorite Avengers movie. And I've I've watched it more than two times, but not ten since seeing it in the theaters. 
and I don't recall it feeling much different. It, they're, they're, and these are going to be my totally all over the place thoughts about this movie. Now, I was tripping off the beginning with the Avengers having like random conversation as they casually kill off Hydra agents. And then I thought, you know, moving on, <laughs> Widow seducing Hulk. Uh, no surprise where that was heading before you know it. They talking about Miss Showers, Blase Split. Um, I eyed Cap's new magnetic shield. I guess I realized it was different, but I thought it was the same shield with just something added, not a totally new shield. So I guess in the uh, second trailer for Endgame, I do see how that would be the old school throwback version of Cap's shield. Now I got a, a real feel for the tone that this movie was going for when Baron Von Strucker gives his agents the never surrender pep talk that turns around he turns around and immediately tells his aide that he plans to surrender <laughs> and that's okay to me because now I know where we're going when the Maximoff twins went into action I was into that I was into it then when Wanda gives Tony his vision and I really watched it this time I've seen this vision a million times. Uh, YouTube creators wore it out after Infinity War. But I think that uh, this time I really watched it. And I got to say that there are some eerie, eerie components to this vision. And here we are at this point, 12 minutes into the movie. And we're just getting the title card. So this is telling you how this movie is going to play out uh, in the Quinjet. As they're leaving Germany after they uh, got the scepter, got what they was after, was headed back to Avengers headquarters in the Quinjet. When Tony says, Jarvis, take the wheel. Then there's this quick cut to a bumper sticker that reads, uh, Jarvis is my co-pilot. Like just in the middle of this sequence, we get church speak. Because you know that's church speak, right? All you church people know, that's church speak. I had completely forgotten that Hawkeye was repaired with simulated tissue after he was injured. And then Helen Cho told Tony while she was fixing Hawkeye that this tech would leave his suits in the dust. And you talk about foreshadowing. That was foreshadowing. So, of course, yeah, we got the scepter. Yay. So they're going to have this celebration and have a big shindig at Avengers headquarters. But before they do that, for some reason, Banner and Stark decide to start making a murder bot baby and leave Jarvis to babysit while they go get drunk with the Avengers. So the whole drone of death could have been avoided entirely if one of them would have at least checked in on Frankenstein while he was incubating. Um, there is a lot of Cap's 100-year-old uh, war buddies at this party, and here's where we get our Stan Lee cameo. So, Stan is a war veteran who insists on drinking the gin of gods with Thor. And next time we see him, he's being escorted out, shit-faced and muttering Excelsior. So, in my, in, in my episode also entitled Excelsior, we did discuss that Stan was actually in the army, but he never went into battle. Uh, he was in, like, the writing department. And what I just found out is... And I'm not making this up. What I just found out is that he and Dr. Seuss teamed up to make posters 
about preventing venereal diseases. So that just fucked my entire childhood up. But anyway, later, everyone's taking turns handling Thor's hammer. And when Cap got it to budge, Thor looked concerned as hell. Then he got up with a drink in his hand, picked the hammer up, and the whole damn drink disappeared. And I wondered, did I have some of the gin of gods? Because Excelsior, he, he just it just disappeared. So now, Robo Hitler is done cooking. He crashes the party, and we get a look at his personality. How could you be worthy? You're all killers. Stark. Jarvis. I'm sorry, I was asleep. Or I was a dream. Reboot. Legion Arrows. That's got a buggy suit. Terrible noise. And I was tangled in. in strings. Had to kill the other guy. He was a good guy. You killed someone? Wouldn't have been my first call. But down in the real world, we're faced with ugly choices. Who sent you? I see a suit of armor around the world. Ultron. In the flesh. Or no, not yet. Not this Christmas. But I'm ready. I'm on mission. What mission? Peace in our time. Now he got Tony's uh, snark. And Banner's rage. And what the heck did you expect of him? Look at his parents. So, uh, and I said Tony's, Tony's snark. <laughs> Not Tony Stark. Anyway, um, the Avengers have the now famous in-game discussion and talk about defeating otherworldly threats together. We know how that turned out. And half the team is now activating people's allergies. But... This is also the movie that Wanda Maximoff had an accent. And she became an Avenger and was totally Americanized by the next time we see her. Now, speaking of the Avengers, Ultron tells Wanda that he wants her to tear them up from the inside. And if we, well, we might not remember, but we're, we're heading towards it in, in our watch party. This was also Zemo's approach to destroying the Avengers in Civil War. So now Ultron is on a mission to find Vibranium. Wakanda is name dropped and Ulysses Claw uh, makes an appearance and his arm makes a disappearance. And when Ultron gets the Vibranium, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that is more church speak. And the Avengers catch up to Ultron and the twins and in keeping with the spirit of the MCU there are daddy issues between Tony and the bastard child of a thousand maniacs well one and a half maniacs you de you decide but while they try to solve their issues Wanda is giving everyone visions except Hawkeye he's having none of that shit in this movie but she does get to Banner who turns into Hulk and starts to smash Bring in the Hulkbuster armor, and that is a behemoth of a suit powered by nine arc reactors, not including the one in Tony's chest. So that thing has power, and Hulk was still getting the best of it until he gets sucker punched. But before the sucker punch, I got the feeling that he was starting to recover from the vision, and we still have no clue what images 
his vision contained. But yeah, when he when he started recovering from that vision, he was disappointed when he saw that everybody was afraid of him. So like he had a moment of clarity before he was about to go crazy again and then pow, you know. So now the Avengers need to go into hiding because they made a mess of things. And this is where we meet Hawkeye's well-hidden family on his well-hidden farm. In fact, the whole second act is allowing us to delve into the humanity of, of the Avengers. We get quite a bit of insight into their vulnerabilities and we see the more fragile elements of their personalities when they're not saving the world. Except Thor. Thor gets spooked by Hawkeye's daughter and learns firsthand how awkward it is to step on Legos. This made him realize that it was a great time for a swim. He dresses up as hip-hop, 16-bar spitting, 8-mile living straight out of Compton Thor, who we see again in the Endgame trailer, where I'm sure we'll hear his new single, Going for the Head. But anyway, here, <laughs> here he and Eric Selvig go to the pool of sight. He gets some clarity about his vision when he dips in the water, but he's still not going back to Hawkeye's farm with those creepy-ass kids. So anyway... The kids were cute. Thor just, Thor just got spooked for whatever reason. Uh, he's missing all the fun because now Fury's shown up and you know he's the life of the party. And he knows there's some friction between the heroes, so he delivers a pep talk as only Nick Fury can. And he never divulges how he knew where to find them, but they assume that uh, Maria Hill told them. I just think that Fury knows shit. So anyway, Ultron is still moving ahead with his diabolical plan to create the perfect body for himself. So he finds Helen Cho, uses the scepter to control her, and she creates a synthetic vibranium body for him to upload his matrix into using the Mind Stone. And in the meantime, the Maximoffs come to the realization that Ultron is evil. Now, could it be the way he keeps quoting the No Strings song from Pinocchio or his incessant monologuing? Well, he goes on to tell them that he plans to give the human race every opportunity to improve. And when Pietro Maximoff asks, and if they don't, Ultron responds, ask Noah. Now, that's not fair because for a number of reasons, they can't just ask Noah and more church speak. But he goes on and says that when the earth starts to settle, God throws a stone at it. And believe me, he's winding up. And the church speak just doesn't stop with this one. But anyway, Ultron reminds me in so many ways of Thanos. He sees the big picture. He knows changes need to be made. And then sets about implementing these changes in the most horrifyingly radical way possible. <laughs> and needless to say, after knowing uh, the full plan, the twins defect. They, they join the Avengers. The Avengers catch up to Ultron. Huge battle. They successfully steal his new body. Which Tony and Banner take back to headquarters. And as soon as they are alone, Tony starts talking about making another baby. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Banner says that they are stuck in a time loop. And this is where Banner says they are stuck in a time loop. And a million endgame theories were born. 
But anyway, Tony answered, it's not a loop. It's the end of the line, which should spawn even more theories because that sounds prophetic as fuck. And did I mention that Ultron kidnapped Black Widow? Yeah, he kidnapped Black Widow, whom he knows to be a super elite spy. And he locked her in a cage with all the equipment necessary to build a communication device. And this spy, who has outsmarted a god, didn't think this was odd at all. So she sent a message to the Avengers. And I'm saying lazy, lazy, lazy. It's a ruse, but it was a lazy, lazy ruse. But back at Avengers headquarters, uh, Cap, Wanda, and Hawkeye are trying to stop Banner and Stark from conceiving another rabid robot. And in a brutal line, and probably what I want to say is probably one of the most brutal lines of this movie from Banner. He tells Wanda Maximoff that he would choke the life out of her and never change a shade uh, when she asked him, was, was he, he angry? He's like, I don't even have to be angry. I'll choke the life out of you and never change a shade. Now, that is savage. That is savage banner. So, uh, while they're arguing and fighting, because it wouldn't be an Avengers movie if the heroes don't get into an obligatory fist fight. So, Captain Marvel, get prepared. Uh, So, while they're doing this big uh, fist fight, Thor comes in and animates the android body with a jolt of lightning. And the new life awakens with a violent start, but he calms down after looking out the window at the night sky. And when asked who he was, he announces, I'm not Ultron. I'm not Jarvis. I'm, I am. Which is technically church speak. He is Vision. Remember, hearkening back, go way back, back to Iron Man 3. There was a Christmas stocking hanging for Jarvis and the colors were red, green, and yellow, foreshadowing Vision's colors. So anyway, upon telling uh, the team that he wasn't a threat, that he hands Thor his hammer and the team heads to Sokovia to rescue Natasha. You heard me. He picked up Thor's hammer and handed it to him. After we've already demonstrated way back at the party when everybody was half drunk that none of the Avengers could lift this hammer with the exception of Thor. Here we have a brand new baby come up out of the cocoon and he picks up uh, Thor's hammer and hands it to him, meaning that he is worthy. So now they don't have to worry about him. They see that he is basically on their side. They tr- they're going to rescue Natasha and they're going to take down Ultron once and for all. And, and then Stark finds Ultron in a church. And Ultron asks, come to confess your sins? Church speak. He also says that the Avengers are his swift and terrible sword. That is also church speak. And after learning that Ultron's big plan is to pick a city up and drop it back to Earth, creating an extinction-level event, the team knows that they need to evacuate the city that is floating and the ones on the ground because extinction-level events only focus on areas far away and never affect the areas closest to said events. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cap is leading. So he has to deliver his pep talk. And he tells the team, they hurt you, you hurt them back. Except they're fighting robots. So I'm pretty sure the robots don't get hurt. But then he also says, you get killed, walk it off. And as he delivers this line, the camera is focused squarely on Pietro. So bye-bye, Pietro. And the first time I saw this movie, I thought Hawkeye was going to die. And I was in my seat delivering last rites. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, that's a church speak of my own. And anyway, I'm glad that we got to see what drives Hawkeye's character and how he's more of a hero than he's often given credit for being. And his pep talk, it said so much when he was talking to the witch. And uh, when the witch answered his call, she was unstoppable. So Pietro calls Hawkeye, old man, and Hawkeye considered putting an arrow through him. Nobody would ever know. Last time I saw the kid, Ultron was sitting on him. He'll be missed. Yep, bye-bye, Pietro. But anyway, Hawkeye, Pietro, and Wanda are moving through an area where police were making a stand against Ultron's minions when the commanding officer yells, hold your fire, because he's trying to let them get through. Pietro still manages to get shot by the one idiot with a tricky trigger finger, and just in case you needed any more clues that Pietro would, Pietro would not be making it to civil war, this was the last clue. Fury. Fury shows up with a helicarrier to help evacuate the civilians, and hey, there's Cameron Klein, survivor of the Hydra takeover in the Winter Soldier, and honorably mentioned in the Infinity War post credit scene. He's also rumored to play some kind of part in Endgame. We'll look forward to that. A big fight scene with semi-close quarters, hand-to-hand combat, and it was dope. The choreography was stunning to me in this scene, and I absolutely loved it. Then uh, Thor, Vision, and Tony took the fight to Ultron and were blasting the shit out of him. He's nearly destroyed and they just stopped. Why the hell would they stop? (laughs) Okay, so Hawkeye, in one last act of bravery, saw a child who had been left behind and raced back to get him. Just then, Ultron comes through in the Quinjet and starts firing at him. So, shielding this child with his own body, Hawkeye braced for death, but death did not come. For him, anyway. So, it's bye-bye, Pietro. Death been flirting with you the whole third act, and she finally got you. And he went out on the same line that he came in on. You didn't see that coming. So, that was his first line and his last line of this movie. Uh, more stuff happens and Vision defeats Thanos. I mean, <laughs> Vision defeats Ultron and Hulk takes off in the Quinjet and Natasha is sad. And here was another cryptic line. Uh, she asked Fury if when he sent her to recruit Banner way back when, did he know what was going to happen? And Fury gave her some hope for the best rah-rah, but I think he knew because Fury knows shit. <laughs> So, Thor says he feels like someone is pulling the Avengers strings 
and the appearance of these infinity stones is no coincidence and i'm like no shit and at the end the very end this final sequence of this movie raise your head if you thought we were finally going to hear the rally cry when cap said avengers tell the truth you thought he was gonna say a symbol i did too <laughs> but joss whedon said that if the timing were better we would have seen captain marvel and spider-man in the closing scene of this movie so, wow, we would have gotten both of them before, uh, at least a glimpse of them, before Civil War. And then the post credit scene is Thanos um, walking up to the gauntlet and he says, fine, I'll do it myself. It makes absolutely no sense in the context of this movie. Like, did Thanos take a dip in the scene pool or borrow the time stone to make this statement that seemingly means nothing? And who knew this whole movie was a commercial for Audi? Uh, on this watch of Age of Ultron, this time around, I got a better feel for the movie. So on my uh, 1 to 5 scale, this one gets a 3.75. Not perfect, but definitely worth, worth watching. And if, especially if you... Uh, were knew that these movies were connected and you know that you have to con continuously watch movies because they build on the next movie. Um, still my least favorite of the Avengers movies, but just think about the company that this movie is in. Uh, being my least favorite Avengers movie, it still lands higher when we talk about all the other movies in the MCU. So it definitely, I put it above uh, The Incredible Hulk, both the Thor movies, possibly Iron Man 3 too. So out of the ones we've covered so far, we still got some on the back end that I believe this movie is better than as well. It's just my least favorite Avengers movie so far. Um, so yeah, 3.75 out of five and tell me what you think what did you think of avengers age of ultron i think i'm gonna take a pause for the cause because i have an in-game theory that i need to uh tighten up in my mind to give you guys before i get out of here but uh, let me know you know what did you think of avengers age of ultron and also pushing forward to our next week of the MCU watch party we got Ant-Man so the first Ant-Man movie standalone where we are introduced to Scott Lang Hank Pym Hope Van Dyne and all that all the whole gang especially Louise we definitely get some Louise in here so we'll be ready for a Ant-Man next week I got this in-game theory that I'm about to share with you okay so here is the theory Everyone who got dusted is strongly implied to still be alive moving forward in the Marvel franchise. So that's uh, Spider-Man, Nick Fury, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Wasp, most of the Guardians, Bucky, etc. Everyone who was still alive at the end of Infinity War have very uncertain futures in the movies moving forward. That's uh, Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, Nebula, etc. Looking at the list of survivors and while it would be sad to no longer see them on the screen they've kind of had their run already all the new guys got snapped 
all the veterans were left behind. If the snap gets undone, we still uh, have headlining superheroes Cap, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, etc. All waiting to launch into action to save the day again. That's a problem based on the future planned movie schedule. That means you'd have to kill off or explain why every major surviving character becomes retired after Endgame's credits roll. And that's difficult to achieve. Almost impossible to achieve even within three hours. So, people who were snapped exist in an alternate universe and will continue the Marvel franchise forward with limited knowledge of what happens in Endgame. People who survive the snap will either be left behind in the old universe or sacrifice themselves to save the other universe. And the new universe is where all the new Fox Marvel characters will appear. So yeah, that's just a new play on a, a older theory, but I kind of like it. Um, I don't want it to happen. I don't want to see that in, in the movie at all. But, you know, if it did happen, I wouldn't, it's two separate universes. The, the, uh, the Avengers, original Avengers on one side and one reality uh, may have may defeat Thanos and collect up all these stones and make it to where it's impossible for him to uh to to put them all together or anyone to put them all together again possibly that is how they wind up I don't want to see that happen and uh but it's not a bad theory it is well thought out you can find this theory on reddit and I need to find the name of the person who submitted it. So yeah, this theory was submitted by Innervada. It's posted by a Reddit user by the name of Innervada. So hopefully we'll, we'll find out soon, huh? Exactly how uh, Avengers Endgame is going to play out and uh, what exactly will be the undoing of the snap and if there will be an undoing of the snap, uh, we shall find out, huh? Well, I think that is going to put the icing of the cake of this episode of After the Snap. I'd love to hear from you guys about, tell me what you thought about today's episode. Uh, tell me what you thought about Ant-Man. I'm not Ant-Man, I'm sorry. Avengers Age of Ultron, the first movie. And I do really after really thinking about it I do believe that's Ultron's voice that I'm hearing somebody else let me know what you think shoot me an email at afterthesnap at gmail.com you can reach me at on Facebook at afterthesnap join the group snap survivors let's have fun there you can also find me at snap after on Twitter and after the snap 2018 on Instagram I also have a YouTube channel you can find uh, a lot of the older episodes of After the Snap and also just a little bit of new content as well over there. And it's still After the Snap on YouTube. If you would like to donate to the show, you can make monthly donations at patreon.com slash after the snap. There are different tiers starting at $1 a month, going all the way up to 20 bucks a month. If you can afford to make a monthly donation and would like to help the show, patreon.com slash after the snap. 
If you would like to make a one-time donation to the show, but you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be committed to doing a monthly donation, that's fine as well. You can donate to the show at paypal.me slash after the snap and uh, all donations anything you got it's it's really would help in in uh making the, the show better and also curtailing just a little bit of the cost of production let's think what else do i have don't think i've got a whole lot else today i truly appreciate everyone coming and joining me for this installment of after the snap and our mcu watch party that leads up to avengers endgame next week's episode like we talk about we'll be covering uh ant-man and i'm um, not i always want to say ant-man and the wasp this one is just ant-man it's not the wasp it's just ant-man so uh we'll be meeting uh scott lang and hank pym and hope van dyne all for the first time and we will uh, talk a whole whole lot about the quantum realm we will get our introduction so can't wait can't wait other than that uh, i've got really nothing else for you today again thank you and i will catch you on the flip